It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard Basically, how I am going to do this, I'm going to bring you up to speed with a little clip from last night. Was reportedly in a critical medical situation following an emergency that he suffered at home on Sunday. Mississippi State's athletic department released a statement saying that Leach was taken to the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson after suffering a, quote, personal health issue at his home. Sid Salter, Mississippi State's Director of Public Affairs, added that the university would make no other comment at this time. That was news last night concerning critical condition of one Mike Leach. However, that situation took a turn for the worst. What we do know is he was airlifted last night, yesterday, to medical facility in uh, 
magistrate in Jackson, Mississippi. And a lot was being made about his health situation. And it was very critical last night. However, as you woke up this morning, you found out the news took a turn for the worse. As the headline reads, Mississippi University's Mike Leash, pioneering football coach, dies at the age of 61. What we also have here, before we get into the story, is some more audio, I do believe, because Mike Leash was one who did not shy away from a camera. There was not a camera that he didn't like. And a quote he didn't have ready for you. But here goes some more audio as we bring you the story of the death of Mike Leash. And apparently, we don't have that audio. So, what we're going to do, we're going to table that right now until we can come up with it. And I believe we have it right here. So let me bring this to you right now. Some more audio. It's the end of an era. Tonight, college football mourns the loss of the Pirate, Mississippi State's head coach, Mike Leach. From Texas to Washington to here in Mississippi, football fans know Coach Leach to be a lovable oddball whose post-game conferences and coaching decisions were often unconventional. Fortify this. we got to take care of that. Can't let them attack here. we got to get them here. Once we get them moving here, we're going here. Boom! As head coach of three different teams, Leach racked up a 158-107 record with his pass-heavy air raid offense. Many sports fans say his style of football was simple and old school, but that's just what Mississippi State needed. And as Coach Leach proved he wanted to get to know the Magnolia State, fans realized he was the right man for the job. Shelby County was a blast. I mean, it's a place like everybody growing up, in my case anyway, I loved playing fort in my, my backyard, you know, a box that a refrigerator came in or something like that. And in the show, you play Fort for 10 days. And guess okay. what? You get to do it as an adult, and it is utterly outstanding. In three seasons with MSU, the Bulldogs have gone 19 and 17, with Leach's best season happening in 2022 and ending with an Egg Bowl victory. Well, they call them Bulldogs for a reason. They're built for combat. And I know I'm scared of this one, so I'm glad I represent him. But what will be remembered most is Coach Leach's ability to not only give hope to college fan bases, but his ability to remind folks to not take things too seriously. I like playing against crummy coaches better than really good ones, but um, there's no hiding from good coaches. You're going to run into a good coach, and you're going to have to fight like crazy. And that was some audio from remembering Mike Leach. And I have on the phone with me, way out in the state of 
enchantment. I guess I got that right. My good friend, and I need to get him on a little bit more often than what I do, but we went all the way to the great state of New Mexico, and I have a little fondness for them because they have some coaches out there that have some ties to the great state of Kansas. My good friend and my brother, one and only, Ed Nunez. Anthony, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Man, it is great to have you on, and sorry I had to bring you on on such a notice like this one, but who would have thought in less than 24 hours ago they were airlifting Mike Leach to a medical facility in Jackson, Mississippi? And then you wake up in the morning and you get the news that Mike Leach is no longer amongst us. You know, he's uh, only 61 years old, and I, I do. Uh, I work for a 99.9 FM radio in Albuquerque here, and I, I'm the sports director, so I did the report yesterday, and then he had had a personal health issue, and then I read the paper this morning that he was very critical, and then I got the report from ESPN that he had passed away. You know, he's only 61, and I guess he had been in some uh, – they said he'd had a cough and not feeling well for a couple of months, or, you know, not months, but maybe a couple of weeks that he hadn't been feeling well. And, uh, you know, I saw Stephen A. Smith talking about it this morning. And that I guess, you know, let's face it, Anthony, being a college football coach or a professional football coach or coach even at the high school level, right, even at the peewee ranks. I mean, uh, not so much at the peewee ranks, but the the, uh, the high school and college levels, uh, college levels in particular, uh, you know, Mike Leach made a, a living on the air raid offenses, right? He's a high-profile guy. Um, been around the game for a while. A very, uh, you know, Nick Saban had said he was praying for him and his family. Um, you know, very well-known figure, the, the gregarious guy, right? A lot of people really liked him. Um, so, yeah, I was when I my wife read it actually this morning because I read the paper, and she got it on ESPN and saw it, and she said that uh, Mike Leach passed away. And I, I don't know if I was ready to read that that quick. I was hoping he'd pull through. They said yesterday he was in critical condition. I just didn't expect it, uh, you know, to happen so soon. Right, and looking at the report right here that I have in front of me, basically starts out, basically describes Mike Leach, the gruff, pioneering, and unfiltered college football coach, and we know he was very unfiltered, helped revolutionize the passing game with the air raid offense. And it's ironic that it's called air raid offense because basically he got that start with the air raid offense at Texas Tech home of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, hence the name Air Raid Offense. And some of the most prolific passing stats, as far as season stats, came from quarterbacks that were coached by none other than, you guessed it, Mike Leach. They spread, look at the way they spread the ball around uh, in the college game. You know, he had a lot to do with that. Uh, you know, they also run right, run out of the shotgun now, right? There's so many uh, different formations we see now with this air raid offenses. Uh, you know, receivers now, um, they're making a killing with this pass happy, you know, back in the day, right? I've been watching college football since 1970, pro football since 1970. Three yards in a cloud of dust, right? A lot of coaches back in the day were afraid to put the ball up in the air. Woody Hayes at Ohio State, where he didn't like passing the ball, right? He uh, He wanted to run the ball. And so then you go from, you know, that to another, you know, look at Mike Leach and how far things have uh, developed as far as offenses go at the college level. And then they, they filter all, all the way to the pros, right? 
the running back position, you and I have talked about that, is not as valued as it once was, right? You know, we, we, we're Cowboy fans. We talk about Ezekiel Elliott all the time. Will he come back next year? I mean, so uh, Mike Leach really uh, put a, his stamp on the, uh, you know, the air raid offense. You mentioned at Texas Tech. At one time, we, you know, when uh, Lobos had the, the Mexico Lobos here, I'm, I'm in Albuquerque. They had an opening, and they uh, they had mentioned his name. Mike Leach was mentioned just briefly, and I remember thinking, "Man, I'd love him to come here." You know, the night Lobo football here is not good. You know, then they hired Bob Davey out of uh, who had coached at Notre Dame and Texas A and M, and you know, he actually got the Lobos to a bowl game. And it's Lobo football here. Let me tell you something: it's uh, very very tough to win. There's no sport. There's no base. You know, it's tough to recruit. Their facilities aren't great. So, um, but when they had mentioned his name a couple of years ago, I was like, man, they mentioned and just briefly, you know, and he the right away said he wasn't interested. But I was thinking, man, that would put some, you know, some fans in the stands and, you know, in excitement. Just balls and, in the air. <laughs> right. You know, and, uh, well, they ended up hiring Mike Loxley, but, you know, before that and, and Mike Loxley at Maryland now, you know, he's supposed to come here and, put another digit on the scoreboard that was a huge disappointment you know here anyway he wasn't he was a big disappointment here but uh you know he went to coach uh, with Nick Saban at Alabama now he's at Maryland but uh Mike Leach made his mark on the on the college game for sure and just a, a lot of people uh it's sad you know Anthony when we see uh, young people like that you know I mean he, you know I'm 60 I mean people when we were younger I remember thinking man 50 and 60 is, is old right and uh, maybe he's not young, young, but I mean, he's, you know, kind of young to pass away and at 61, you know, I mean, a lot of young kids are looking at it like, oh, he's ancient, right? But uh, yeah, some sad news to, you know, from the sports world for sure. Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I can just pull this up while we're in conversation. Because I emailed myself a lot of information regarding Mike Leach. And uh, when you, I mean, some of the things that you have to keep in mind when I, when I when I think of Mike Leach and his air raid offense, it kind of reminds me of back in the days before they was even really utilized the shotgun. The only team that was really utilizing the shotgun at that time was the Dallas Cowboys, and that started back in Rock Starback there. But someone who was also before their time, and I think that might have been some of the inspiration for this air raid that was seen coming from Mike Leach was Air Coriel and the San Diego Chargers and Dan Fouts. Never used shotgun, right? They went straight under center. They went straight shotgun under center, line. but yeah. it was a, it was Air Coriel. I mean, Dan Fouts had, I mean, they were putting up numbers that were astronomical way before their time. And then you have Mike Leach comes along and says, hey, since everybody's using shotgun, we're going to show them how to play from the shotgun. Um, if you remember, you know, Fouts and, you know, I've been, like I told you, I watched the NFL since 70. Yes, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm an NFL fan, right? Right. So Fouts, John Jefferson, Charlie yeah, Joyner, Kevin Winslow, Man. Wes Chandler, uh, Chuck Chuck Muncie, right? So they uh, they had some great mm. offenses. Their defenses, you know, they had Gary Big Hands Johnson, Fred Dean, Louis Kelcher. They just weren't good enough on defense. They just weren't good enough. But some of those, uh, you know, Don Coryell teams, even when he was a coach of the uh, – St. Louis Cardinals, Mel Gray, Jim Hart, uh, you know, they, they had some players, uh, Terry Metcalf. They used to give the Cowboys uh, uh, all they wanted in the uh, NFC, NFL, uh, NFC East. They beat Dallas a couple times. So uh, when you mentioned the uh, San Diego Chargers back in the day, they were very entertaining to watch, man. They really were. They put up some points. Uh, you know, that, that's an overtime game in the playoffs in 82 against uh, 
the Dolphins is a classic, right? They, Kellen Winslow having to be uh, taken off the field, cramped, crampy. You know uh, what? A, what a game he had. So uh, when you mentioned those, uh, those they were exciting to watch. They just never broke through, and that's, you know, you and I talk about it all the time. It's very tough to win a championship, man. It's not easy. So uh, you know, you mentioned those kind of teams there. They bring back some great memories. One of the things I'm looking at, hopefully I have it right here, and I still don't have it, but I want to look up some of the players that uh, Mike Leach actually coached. Well, he coached, I do believe he coached Case Keenum, who put some astronomical numbers up. Numbers up. Uh, Graham Harrell, during the Texas Tech days. Mm-hmm. These are some guys that, you look at the numbers that they put up, and it was all the benefit of the system that he had in place because I believe he actually recruited some guys that other people said, nah, we'll pass on them. But, you know, as the saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And these guys were very prolific in their college days. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Case Keenum, you know, he's had some success in the pros and, uh, you know, uh, a mixed bag of it, right? But, you know, he had that game uh, when he played for the Vikings and, uh, you know, they had that last second uh, touchdown pass and he's had some, uh, some, some, uh, you know, some, he's, he started for a while, got a big contract and he's a backup now, but yeah, he, he had some success at Tech and so it's a little bit of success in the pros. So what are some more memories you have in regards to watching Mike Leach as he coached? Because I remember seeing him in Big 12 days and I'm like, okay, now, if you can score 51 and hold him to 50, you might be able to win the game. But his philosophy was basically, we're going to go out here, we're going to pass the ball, we're going to outscore you. And it, it was kind of like what Bill Snyder did with Kansas State. We're going to run the ball, and then we're going to run the ball again. And then after that, we're going to run the ball. And if you stop us, we're still going to run the ball. Leash was on the opposite end of the spectrum. We're going to air it out. We're going to keep throwing the ball. And if you, by chance, happen to get an interception, guess what? We're going to come back out and we're going to throw the ball again until you stop us. So I think that was, uh, you know, the things you mentioned, just the uh, the pressure he put on defenses. They, they, they Again, that he, you, you mentioned he's going to they'll throw it 50, 60 times a game. You know, he's, he's going to have, uh, you know, the, the trips, quads. Uh, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to throw from, from, uh, from every different formation. And then a couple times, you know, he keep you honest with the run out of the shotgun too. Uh, when those offenses, when you're a defensive coordinator and you have to stop that, there's there's so many. Uh, can you adjust on the fly, right? Can you adjust the personnel? And then they play with tempo, right? They played sometimes no huddle, so that uh, that makes them tough to stop too. So I, and I and I think that that's why people like him so much. He played with some with a swag, with a chip, right? You know, this is what we're gonna do. Uh, try to stop it, you know. And you know, some people didn't like him, right? I mean, he ran the score up on some people. He did, right? Uh, Steve Spurrier had done that at Florida. Spurrier uh, wasn't always the old ball coach, right? He'd just tell you, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run down your throat, pass down your throat. If you don't like it, stop us. So I think uh, th- those are a lot of my memories of, of Coach Leach. At, again, you know, he's going to put the pressure on you. He's he's going to he's he's going to uh, dictate the offensive tempo and uh, tell you this is again we're coming to score fifty on you, and uh, you know you're going to have to stop us. So I just think uh, again his personality too. Uh, prickly at times, some to some people, right? right? But too bad he didn't. You know, he he danced to his own beat. Yes, and, uh, was, uh, right. He had a he had a fascination about pirates. 
I mean, I I never could get it, but his, he had a thing about pirates. I mean, if you look in his office, he had pictures or statues of pirates. He was he basically that was his pretty much his nickname, the pirate, because he had some fascination about pirates and you know, like that uh audio was saying, he, he learned how not to take life too serious, just enjoy the moment. No frills guy. And he was always a good sound bite because he was gonna always say something that would make you say, hmm, or he was gonna say something and you would get this reaction right here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know that, that, that was Mike Leash. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, reporters, they love a guy like that, right? Uh, you know, it, and the press can be, you know, you, you, you know, you've seen press conferences, right? Some of the questions that are asked are ridiculous. I, I don't know how I'd answer, especially after I lost. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, man. I hate losing more than I like winning, right? You know, you know you're, 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 uh, you have to uh, uh, do those conferences in, in college and, and in the pros. So, uh, no, the, but he gave you something. He always gave you that, uh, that soundbite, right? He was a colorful guy, colorful character. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a shame. Like you said, it's just, uh, he just got airlifted what Sunday and then, and then Tuesday he's dead. It might've been Monday. He was airlifted from Starksville. And I just didn't expect to hear that so quick. I thought, uh, maybe, maybe he's, uh, you know, it, the funny thing is, or not funny. The ironic thing is the guy they put in charge of, uh, Mississippi state now is Zach Arnett. He's from Albuquerque. He's from the Cueva, you know, the Cueva high school here played for the New Mexico Lobos. And so now he's in charge of the Mississippi State uh, football program. And for us here in Albuquerque, we remember Zach Arnett played at La Cueva High School and played for New Mexico Lobos. So, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's under bad circumstances, but he's going to get a chance to maybe show what he can do. And uh, I know he probably has, I'm sure, all the all the respect in the world for, for Mike Leach. Right. Now, in addition to also losing Mike Leach, the other news was we lost a basketball legend. And some people listening to us there probably say, who, who are they? But the team was, and they were one of my favorites, and it's ironic that I have one of their ball caps. And at the same time, the team that I couldn't stand because this team always beat them was known as the Washington Bullets. I'm talking about the passing of one Paul Silas. You know, it, uh, again, I reported on that, too, for, for my radio report, and I remember him very, very well. Uh, you know, a player, a coach, president of the uh, Players Association, right? Nine points and nine rebounds, but that doesn't begin to tell the story. That guy was rugged, tough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, played for Boston, played for uh, Seattle, I think for Phoenix as well. Won a championship with Boston in 1974. And, you know, when you tell people that, they're like, oh, God, that was ancient. That's old, old dinosaur ball. I, I remember that that series against Milwaukee. Uh, I, I'm an NBA fan since 72, right? Uh-huh. So uh, Boston had Havlicek, JoJo White, Silas, Don Nelson. They were very – Dave Cowens, very good team. And Silas got all the dirty work done, right? right? He got the rebounds. He was strong. That old man strength, right? You know, they didn't believe in a lot of uh, heavy lifting back then. They didn't do a lot of, of, of uh, heavy weightlifting because they believed it uh, hurts your shot. But he was just strong, broad shoulders, did the dirty work. Like I said, uh, you know, did that in Seattle, wherever he played, and then and then uh, coached uh, with San Diego Clippers at first and coached several, and then his son is coaching uh, Houston now. And uh, I think you and I, you know, we understand Bill Russell being the first player coach, right? 
uh, African-American with Boston. And people yeah. kind of forget that, that he was a player coach and won two championships as a player coach. For whatever reason, that wasn't talked about a lot. But Paul Side is one of the other few uh, first African-American coaches in the NBA. And as we mentioned, also served as the uh, president of the NBA Players Association. He had a big impact, right? Mm-hmm. Pioneers. Right. And I think sometimes people look back and they just think, especially young kids, oh, God, he's he's old. You know, they're they're old. They can't play. Right. I see that with, uh, you know, people talking that uh, uh, talking like that about Kareem. Oh, this right. guy would have blocked that shot. This guy would have blocked. It's like, yeah, right. uh, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, go go YouTube him and see uh, how many guys ever blocked that. Now, right. It's popular to show Wilkes blocking. He did. He blocked it a couple of times. But Kareem also put it in his face more than a couple of times. Right. Right. Um, so I think there's not a lot of respect for the older and I, man, much respect for, for Paul Silas, man. I, I watched him play and he was again, a class act, a, somebody that's opened doors for his son, for a guy like JB Bickerstaff for, for doc rivers, right? Mm-hmm. Don Chaney coached in the NBA for a while. Uh, Tyron Lou now coaching in the NBA. Uh, so I think he's, he opened up a lot of doors and you know, let's face it. I mean, this is the truth, man. I know people are going to get mad when you say it, but they do uh, manufacture in the major leagues, right? In the NFL and in the NBA, sometimes guys that, right, have gotten chance, especially in the National Football League, right? right. Uh, Mike Tomlin is one of the longest tenured coaches in the league. And, uh, you know, there's still not enough African-American or minority coaches, head coaches in the NFL, right? There's still not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, people might get mad and say, oh, my God, you know, God, you know, it's truth. <laughs> it's the truth. Right. Sometimes so uh, truth just hurts, Oh man, it it you know it bugs me, man. You know I, I'm a big I, you and I are, I'm a huge NFL fan. I you know you and I are big Cowboy fans, and you know we we live and die with that. But uh, there should be a reflection of the athletes you have in the league as far as your head coaches, I think. And I, the NFL is still, I think, way behind on that. I, and and uh, you know hopefully it gets better. But uh, going back to Paul Silas, he opened up a lot of doors in a, in a. And, uh, you know, again, if people want to know, go watch him play on YouTube. There's a lot of uh, of, of games that he played in, and, and you know, he won't jump off the screen at you. All he'll do is do the dirty work, get the rebounds, make some shots underneath. Tough, physical guy, right? right. Wouldn't back down from anybody, man. And and, uh, and so much respect to uh, to Paul Silas. The NBA lost a, uh, quite a pioneer. And I, I want to share something here coming out of the story here. It says, whether as a player or head coach, Paul Silas has a reputation for not suffering fools he says when he was 68 he was upset with one of his charlotte bobcat players tyrus thomas for chatting amiably with some boston celtics on the floor of play charlotte lost the game thomas then 25 responded in the locker room after the game when things became heated silas pushed thomas into a locker room now let me back up it says when he was 68 okay so here he is yeah. with this supposed to be strong young guy at 25 years old, pushed him into a locker room. The losing, Silas could understand. The fraternizing, he could not. It speaks to his upbringing. Silas died Sunday at the age of 79 years old. So i tell you what well, I'm going to do, I'm do right here. I'm going to take a break. But if you want to come back in on the next segment as well, just hold the line right there, and I will get you right back on. because. You started mentioning something about pioneering and opening up doors, and I want to talk about another situation, and hopefully some doors can be opened behind him. And we're talking about a guy that left out and went to Colorado and what backlash of it could possibly be. 
But on the other side of this break, we'll come back and talk about that. All right. You bet. All right. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A Train Sports Talk Podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So, let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. The A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard! Welcome back to another segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And this young man that's on the phone with me, he has no regard for his life because he trusts me behind the wheel of a locomotive. I mean, his life is literally <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> the A-Train, baby. The A-Train. It is the A-Train. And this train... This train is going on all kind of journeys. That I can tell you. We're going on all kind of journeys. We're going up the hill, down the hill, around the corner, not knowing what's around the corner. But we were talking about Paul Silas and how he was also a coach as well and opened up the doors for some coaches. And then last week, we got the news. Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Then then some rumors came out that Jackson State, okay, that Jackson State misused some funds. But there's also another side that said that didn't happen because the first rumor that came out said that Dion wanted to coach in the Celebration Bowl and the school said no. Well, there's another report that said that was a lie. But not talking about the controversial stuff. Impact that Dion left on Jackson State and now going to Colorado. Do you think some doors has been opened if they take some of the lessons that Dion left behind for the two plus years he was there? Do you think he did enough to help elevate the HBCU brand? I don't think there's any question about it. They're, they're, uh, yes, he did. You know, again, remember though, not everybody is prime time, right? I mean. Uh, there's a brand there, right, that he's care- carefully cultivated since he was at Florida State uh, many years, right? Um, 
Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, of course, I'm a big Cowboy fan. I wasn't a huge Deion Sanders fan when he's a Cowboy. I don't look at him as, you know, one of the greatest Cowboys ever. He's a, he's a hired gun, right? A hired mercenary. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he shut down his side of the field, right? There's, is, I've never seen, uh, between him and Bo Jackson, a, a more gifted athlete in my, in my life. Uh, the guy had speed on the base pass, right? I, I mean, he was amazing. And the funny thing is, they said, you know, he's not a great weightlifter. He's got natural gifts, right? right? He wasn't, you know, big. They said this, too, that made me laugh because he said, I can't coach in the pros, right? I'll go to jail. I'll put my hands on someone because these guys don't listen. Well, he was like that when he was with the Cowboys, right? He, the, the, the workout would be scheduled for early. And, it, and, and I read this, and it said, he'd say, oh, no, 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 that's too early for me. I'm going to call 675, which was the extension for Jones, for Jerry Jones. And he called me saying, I can't, I can't be there, man. It's too early. And Jer- Jones would say, okay, right? So, but Dion was naturally gifted. He could get away with that stuff. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got this, this, uh, this uh, mantra, this, 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 uh, this uh, aura about him. So when he went to Jackson State, man, of course, he, 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 uh, you know, he, he brought up the whole, the whole conference uh, 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 status, right? He, you know, he, yeah, by him being on the sideline, man, he did some amazing things at Jackson State. Then I started hearing, I, I you know read, I saw some of those reels on, on Facebook are so darn addicting, right? You see these things, you're like, damn, yeah. I didn't know that, right? Yeah. I mean, you could watch a 50 million of them a day, right? I, you know, I've seen some from uh, the movies and sports, but then he starts saying, well, they said they sold this amount of tickets, but then I'm not sure, you know, they, it, it doesn't add up, right? You know, so they said they said he, he spent a lot of his own money there, um, you know, so I'm not sure at the end if it's the uh, situation that uh, benefited him as much as it, uh, you know, he, Jackson state got more out of him than they, you know, than he did that, you know, right. He's going right. to Colorado. They're uh, one in 11. He went and met with the team and told him on certain terms, man, there's the door, right. There's right. the door. If you don't want to be here. And then some people got, I read somewhere where some ladies like, well, he didn't have to be mean. It's like, look, man, he's coming to win, you know, transfer portal. You've seen it, Anthony, it yep. could be good and it could be bad. Right. right. For some people, it's going to help you. New Mexico here, we, we lost some one kid made All-American here. All, A.J. Halsey, our safety, he's in the transfer portal. He's not going to stay here with the losing program, right? No. So, yeah, and, it, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, man, it, it, my heart went to my stomach. I'm like, of course he's not going to stay here. I, I wanted him to, but. He's going to Colorado. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he might. Honest to God, he might. Honest to God, that's, you know, New Mexico and Colorado aren't that far away, right? So I, I think with, uh, with Dion. Um, I think he's, you know, he, again, he, uh, that the conference with him being there, man, he, he, again, though, there's not a whole bunch of people that can walk in there with that aura and, and status that he has and make that kind of impact right away. Dion has a lot of things that come with him, his name, right? I think he had Terrell Owens helping him for a while coach there, right? So it, his name itself is going to bring people there. He's got that magnetic personality. He had his son playing quarterback, right? So when, when, you know, when people come and, uh, you know, they say, Hey man, coach prime is here and he walks in with it larger than life, you know, it, it, uh, it draws attention. You know, it, right. it does. Now some of these old younger kids are going to be like, who in the hell is Deion Sanders? Right. Some of them, they, they, they are, they were young when he played and don't remember, but all you got to do is look it up. And that guy was as legit right. as any, any yeah. athlete. You yeah. know, they, right. they, they, yeah. As Shaq told Charles Barkley, Google me, Google me. <laughs> right. Google me, those two are always going at it, right? I mean, those two are, you know, I was watching, I'm watching the Lakers tonight. That's my team. They're getting pounded by Boston, but they were going at it 
tonight again. You know, they're they're always uh, right. and Barkley. That's just his opinion. He can come out and say, "Hey, these guys suck," and this and that. It's just what he thinks. It doesn't mean it's gospel truth. Right. Just like the guys that share in our group, Tony Romo versus Stack Prescott, oh. right? Yeah, and, and those are just opinions, mine included. I didn't say mine is gospel truth. I've just got an opinion, right? So do those other guys, and uh, much respect to a lot of them. We're all pretty passionate about the Cowboys. But um, So anyway, going back to, to Deion Sanders, I, uh, man, I, I'm looking – I got to tell you, I keep an eye on the guy. He's exciting, right? Um, I, I want to see what he's going to do with an one and eleven team. Are, you know, they're going to make a bowl next year. They've been they've been uh, bad for a long. They, they used to be good back in the day, right? They've been bad for a long time. I'm gonna go on um, record. I'm gonna go on record and say they might end up being bowl eligible. And I know some people will say, well, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about if they made strides to be more competitive. But I made a bold claim around here. I told people that the Kansas Jayhawks were going to win five games. And lo and behold, they end up winning six games. And the reason that Dion didn't sacrifice his players for a paycheck, because he made a big fuss about that, he even told some of those other coaches, stop sacrificing your guys for a paycheck, because then you have to coach them back up, they go out there and they get injured. He said, learn to just dominate where you're at. But now he got two kids coming in, six, seven, six, eight. 300-plus pounds on the offensive line. He said what separated Jackson State from the Alabamas and all that, he said as far as the skill position players, we're running neck and neck with them. He said but the game is won in the trenches. We don't have those big hogs up front like they do. He said, but if we get those, we might be able to compete. Well, now he's at Colorado. He got two of them coming in. And then around here in the state of Kansas, there's a young man by the name of Dylan Edwards. I don't know if you've heard that name. No, no, I haven't. He played his high school ball at Derby, right up the street, Derby, Kansas. A four-star athlete. First, he committed to Kansas. May I say verbally? Then he committed to Notre Dame. Well, now he's committed to Colorado. And people are kind of in the uproar because I said, well, this young man committed. Well, no, the new commitment is when you sign that uh, LOI, which is called Letter of Intent. But I also see both sides of the equation because we grew up on this word right here. Your word is your bond. And if your word is no good, there's not much good to you. But at the end of the day, we're still dealing with 17, 18-year-old kids who don't know what they want from one day to the next. But I'm pretty sure now, this kid Dylan Edwards, he wants to play for Deion Sanders. So, how do you feel about that whole scenario I just played out for you right there. Not surprising. Again, you know, there's a lot of guys that uh, um, they, they see a situation and they say, hey, man, Coach Prime can get me to where I want to go. I want to go to the – everybody wants to go to the NFL, right? You know, 16 or, you know, 17 or 18, going to college. Uh, they're looking for the best situation, right? And he's going to attract a lot of those players that maybe have committed. And the, the, even the even the guy I told you about here, the, the the freshman safety, he very well. He's an All American. You know, we haven't had a very many All Americans here, man. So he may end up there. So I think when you see a situation like that, and you see a co- a coach that has star power, uh, you, when we talk about coaches that have star power, Nick Saban, right? Uh, you know, Dion's got that star. Mike Leach had star power, uh, but Dion has got extraordinary star power, right? You know, I think he can relate. 
to a lot of these athletes are much better than some coaches can, right? He's a good recruiter. And so I think uh, you're going to see maybe some more situations like that where people have committed, but they see a situation where he can get them where he, they want to go. You know, they want to go to the NFL, right? They want to play Sundays and, you know, Dion's a hall of famer who, who better than to go to, to help you get where you want to go. Apparently by all, by all accounts, he's a good coach. You know, I've heard that. I mean, I don't think he's a figurehead. I think he's a teacher. You know, he's, he seems like he's a good coach and relates well to the players. And so, I, you know, players, yeah, players love that. So I think it's a good situation, uh, uh, you know, for a lot of young kids. I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does at Colorado. I really am a sports guy, right? I'm not a Buffalo fan by any stretch or anything, but I want to see what he does because, again, he uh, he did such great work at uh, Jackson State. It's going to be interesting to see what he can in Colorado is a terrible program, right? This is legitimately a bad program, 1-11. They're terrible. So what can he do there? It's going to be interesting to see what he can It's kind of, you know, if he does well there, then what? You know, then then what? Does he go to a power five? I mean, uh, after after that, what does he do? He's not – I don't see him as a candidate to coach in the pros. He said that already. Right. Um, you know, the, yeah, so we'll see. And one of the unique situations about him being in Colorado now is I wonder if we still call the Pac-12 a Power 5 conference once UCLA and USC depart. Now, granted, you still have Oregon and there are thousands of different uniform schemes. (laughs) Entertaining, yeah. And you have Utah. And they are making a name for themselves as well, too. But how long will it be before you look at the Pac-12 and say Oregon, Utah, Colorado? And I didn't put that in any particular order. But you know, Dion's philosophy is dominate where you at. He went to Jackson State, he dominated. He's stockpiling these recruits, getting these guys coming into the transfer portal. Now he's building something right there in Colorado. Matter of fact, Colorado hasn't been relevant since. They won the championship in 1990, and when they left the Big 12, it seemed like they were an afterthought. And now they come in with Deion Sanders, and now even the Denver Broncos don't even make the front page no more. This is a legitimate challenge, right? This isn't some of a situation he's stepping into that's, uh, that has a winner. They, they don't. This is a legitimate rebuilding challenge here, right, as it was at Jackson State. And I think, again, that you remember, this guy's one of the, the most cocky guys there ever was, swags for days. They wouldn't even throw his side of the field. Remember that, right? And when they did, you remember the strut down the sidelines, the dancing? Oh, man, man. right? Now, if you're a fan, if you're a fan, you loved it. But I remember when he, I wasn't a fan of his, and, oh, man, I'd be like, who is this dude, man? You know? But so he's, he's got it all, though, right? He's got the swag. He's going in there. You know, you know, you know Prime, right? He's going in there. We're going to win. You know, you said that. He said, dominate where you're at. He's already thinking that. We're going to dominate. We're going to dominate, and we're going to win, right? He's not going in there to lose. So I think, uh, you know, if Colorado uh, starts winning, they might look at that conference, in, in, uh, uh, you know, a little bit different because they, have uh, they haven't been relevant since the 90s. And think about that. If he goes, the excitement in that town right now, right, I don't see how he doesn't win. I don't see it, right? I, I mean, he's a winner. He's going to figure out a way to win. He, he's already got those two guys in the trenches, another transfer coming in that that should help him right away. I think his son's going there to play quarterback. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm sure his son is. So he's going to he, have to earn it. <laughs> what's that? He said, of course, he's going to have to earn it. 
Right. Right. You know, uh, but but I'm telling you, man, there's very few people that have those gifts, Anthony. I mean, the guy's one of the most, you know, you, you talk about Jim Thorpe, right? Uh, Bo Jackson. I mean, there's there's many throughout history that are just tremendous. Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain's one of the greatest athletes of all time, right? He really was. Um, but I'm telling you, Dion was was amazing to me. I mean, some of the things I saw that guy do, especially when I saw him play, he wasn't a great hitter in baseball. He was not a great hitter. He's never great with the bat. But as far as his running skills on the bases, man, unbelievable. So I think he brings, you know, recently he was sick, right? He lost a couple of toes. Yeah. He lost, man, the guy, he was sick, and he's really sick last year. Um, but he just brings that, that again, again, he's not for everybody. There's a lot of people who can't stand him, right? There's a lot of people that cannot stand the guy. But I think he, he's a, he can relate to uh, – Barry Switzer was a great recruiter, right? Barry Switzer was a great college coach. He, you know, when he went to the Cowboys, they said he had lost that swag he had at OU. He was not a great pro coach. But as far as recruiting at OU, how great was he? Great recruiter, right? So I think he's really, I think he's, I, I can't, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see how they do, man. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, again, a one in 11 team that uh, hasn't been relevant for, for many years uh, is bringing in a guy that, you know, I'm sure that town, like you said, they're, they're, you know, I went to a Bronco game one time with my son. He's a Bronco fan years ago. Mm-hmm. And these Bronco fans, man, I was listening to them, man. <laughs> You know, me and you were crazy about the Cowboys. I used to get Dallas Cowboy Weekly, Dallas Cowboy Star. I knew everything I, you know, there was to know. But I was listening to these Bronco fans, and they're like, "Yeah, this guy lives over here, and he commutes 25 miles." And I'm like, "Dang, man, wow!" You know, I mean, these people were fanatical. So if the if Colorado's on the front page right now instead of Denver, who's not having a very good season, right? Russell Wilson's had a very disappointing season, and and Nathaniel Hackett be lucky. Nathaniel Hackett be lucky to last the season or, you know, get come back next year. Um, if Buffalo's, if the Colorado Buffaloes are taking the front page away from Denver, that's got to tell you something. Man, I wouldn't be surprised if you go to a Denver Broncos game and they got signs up saying, we want Dion. <laughs> you know what? That's not out of the question. It's, it's really not. You know, although uh, – you know, um, well, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, uh, you know, he said he already said he's not. I can't see him in the pros. I, I, I think he's more. He, he already, he said no to that, and yeah, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if he'd have the same effect because, again, remember, like I said, the way he was in the pros, he wasn't. Uh, you know, he wasn't that guy that. Uh, you know, he, he never got coached by Jimmy. I don't know how to him and Jimmy Johnson would have got along. Um, Jimmy was that rigid, strict guy, right? Him and Charles Haley butted some heads. Charles Haley said him and Jimmy really went round and round, right? Right. Um, now, Jimmy knew who to pick on and who not to pick on, but I don't think Dion's style would have fit in with Jimmy, man. Jimmy wouldn't have, you know, Jimmy wouldn't have liked that. He didn't like me stuff. He didn't like, uh, he, he didn't mind Kenny Gant, the shark. Remember Kenny Gant yeah. would do that shark dance. He didn't mind that so much. He didn't like the other individual displays that said were we. He wouldn't have liked Prime's dances. I don't think they would have gotten along. So uh, I, I think you're right. He's more of a, a college coach than he is a, a pro guy. But I'm telling you, you're right. If he keep, if he does flip it around at Colorado and Denver continues to struggle, you will see signs uh, at Denver's football stadium saying, Prime, please come, you know, please. And and, and I don't see him. Going, yeah, you will. Right. It's not out of the question, right? right. But I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it's about money with Dion. He makes a ton of money. But right. if they threw a whole bunch of money at him, he might do it. But I don't see him. In the pros, I just don't. Yeah, what, one of the unique things about Dion, and it even uh, translates down to his son, you know, with all the swag and 
which is one of his sayings is, don't let my confidence offend your insecurities. At the end of the day, like you said, it's not about the money, but he wants to make sure his assistants are well taken care of. And you don't find that in today's game. But speaking of his sons, now we know Shador and his other son, Junior, they're following him. However, there is one that is not on board. And that's his son, Shiloh. And I went to digging into that, and I did see a report where it said he was well-vested in the Jackson, Mississippi community. He's well-vested in the university. And he's also well-vested with the sonic boom of the South, which, you know, if you know anything about going down South to the historically black colleges and universities, most cases, it's all about the halftime show. It's all about the band. Oh, yeah, just drumline, right? And I, just and like I seen, the movie drumline. Right. Yeah. And I seen one of the reels where his son Shiloh was one of the uh, drum majors, and they, they call him uh, J5. They made him actually, they made Shiloh a J6. He is in love with the band. But then what you might not know, and you'll probably look this up now after I tell you, Shiloh is also well-versed on piano. He got some good piano skills. So there's the possibility (laughs) Shiloh might not be going to Colorado. He's the defensive back. He's the one that wore daddy's number 21. So I'm going to keep an eye on that story, but he might not be making the move to Colorado. Plus, he also had transferred once before, so he don't get that free transfer. But he wasn't too happy. Reports are he wasn't too happy about the move because of the time he has invested in Jackson, Mississippi, and the university, and being with the band as well, too. So don't be surprised if you see reports saying Shiloh has decided to stay at Jackson State and not follow his family. But they're making it like it's, it's a rift between dad and son. But I think at the end of the day, and I know you have children, at the end of the day, they was taught probably after the Celebration Bowl, which is December 17th, they will talk, and at the end of the day, Dad will say, son, I'm proud of you that you're making your own decision. You know, I think um, what you, just what you said, right? I mean, if you saw the movie Drumline, how big is the uh, the bands, you know, in, in, uh, in the South? Yeah. And uh, that movie's classic. I can watch it over and over. It's, it's, it's a classic, right? It didn't win a lot of awards or anything like that, but, I mean, it's a classic movie, right? And so the halftime shows, <laughs> hit him with the flight of the bumblebee. I still crack about crack up about that, right? My son and I roll about that. And, you know, these other brothers are, are grooving, right? Man, they're right. moving and grooving and, and hit him with Boris the flight Brown, of the bumblebee. As a matter of fact, yeah. yeah, yeah. My son and I still roll about that, man. So it's a uh, it's it's a big thing, man. You know, and I don't think Dion would say would uh, would begrudge him his son that, right? It's, everyone's got their own talents, and uh, again. Deion Sanders, we mentioned this. The guy's one of the greatest uh, gifted. Again, when I used to read about this, he didn't. He, he was he was he didn't lift a lot of weights, but he was strong upper body. The jolt at the line of scrimmage, he gave receivers boom, boom that quick jolt, right? And then the cover skills, unbelievable, unbelievable, right? It was hard to shake that guy. And then you know, quarterbacks once in a while would see if he was awake, and then they'd see him take it back to the house. Didn't even throw it his side of the field, Anthony. Think about that, man. So. I don't think he'd begrudge his son if you know if his son has uh, got those skills there and, and uh, is doing well 
at uh, Jackson State with the, what he's doing. I don't think he'd begrudge his son that. It's going to be tough for his son to see his father somewhere else and his brothers. But, heck, if he's doing good there, man, good for him. Yeah. You know, stay where you're at, I say. I, I would say that as his father. You know what, man, this is what you're doing. You're going to get farther with this maybe than, you know, than, than you know, you, we don't know if you're going to the league or not. So, um, you know, stay where you're at. Well, Ed, I want to say thanks for joining me, man. We kept you on here a good 50-plus minutes, looked like, but it was well worth it. And we'll have to do this again. We'll hash things out again. And uh, the playoffs are right around the corner. Uh, one last question, and I'm going to let you go after this. How are things looking down there at New Mexico State with those uh, former shock? You know what? Uh, we've talked about this. I'm just going to thumbnail. You know, we heard about the shooting on the University of New Mexico campus. It's a mess. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, um, New Mexico State uh, coaches and the athletic director, Mario Mocha, there's still some answering. There's still some questions here. You know, what What do I, uh, uh, was the gun hidden, you know, after the shooting? How come it wasn't given to the police right away? Um, what players were with Mike Peak, the player that shot the, uh, the uh, University of New Mexico students? You know, why are kids out at three in the morning? There's still a mess here, man, um, for the Aggies. And, uh, you know, I'm a Lobo fan, and I'm not a big Aggie fan. But Mario Mocha, the, UNM, the New Mexico State Athletic Director, I, I really think a lot of them. I do. But I think Coach Hire still, it's not, you know, they had an editorial in the journal yesterday about, uh, about it here in the Albuquerque Journal. Why were the players given one-game suspensions, the guys that were with Mike Peak. So there's still a lot of questions, a lot of splaining to do here, as you know, Ricky Ricardo would say back in the day. Someone got some splaining to do, and uh, there's still some splaining, explaining to do here for uh, some of the New Mexico State uh, basketball team. So we'll see. You know, and again, that the Lobos and the Aggies were due to play at uh, University Arena at the Pit here, and there's going to be a sellout, right? So uh, UNM athletic director Eddie Nunez, he's got my name. He just goes by Eddie. Um, I'm sure Eddie was sick because it was going to be a full house, a gate. Uh, you know, full gates and uh, and then and no, nothing. So there's still a lot of questions around it, Anthony. We're gonna have to see what the, what what the investigation yields. They're still looking at it. And how is Jody Adams? Jody Z, uh, one of the coach. The women's coach. Oh, you know what? She uh, they just came up here and the Lobos. Uh, they split. The uh, Lobos beat them up there. They beat the Lobos up there in uh, Las Cruces, and the Lobos beat them up here about a week ago. She's doing pretty. She's doing pretty good. It's her first year. She's doing okay. Yeah, she she comes from the uh, Pat Summit tree of coaches. That's uh, that's only going to help them, man. Pat Summit head or Pat the former Pat Summit head. Right. Pat Summit. Uh, Pat Summit, right? Tennessee. You know, she. Uh, right. I still remember when uh, they said she came down with dementia. It was so sad. I read it in Sports Illustrated. One of her players said that uh, she just told her something. Right? Asked her about, hey, how's it going? And then you know, how's your uh, how's your day going? And then asked the same question like five minutes later. And then she knew that coach summit was uh, something that was wrong with her and uh, coach summit. Wow. What a, uh, what is, so she's part of that tree that speaks well for uh, New Mexico state's future in women's basketball. That's a, uh, you know, I, I, I think I told you the coach at Western New Mexico women, right. Is Josh Pace who played with Carmelo Anthony on a national championship. And Josh Pace uh, was a contributor, a starter played overseas Right. Okay. So he's the Western New Mexico coach. And I love him. I like Coach Pace a lot. So I'm always asking, what you doing here, baby? You know, I feel like saying, what, what are you doing here, man? You know, because Coach Beheim could make one call and Josh Pace is 20 other different places. Right. right. And, and so he's, he's trying to make his own way. And I'm always teasing him like, coach, man, 
why don't you wear your, your ring, man? If I was you, I'd be wearing my ring everywhere. <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. I love him. And uh, I, I really like him a lot, man. He's a good dude. You know, so I, I'm able to interview him and we have a few laughs, but, um, you know, so he's part of a tree too with the championship with Carmelo Anthony, man, one of the greatest NBA players, you know, uh, Hall of Famer. You know, some, some would say he's not the greatest defensive player, but he played with Carmelo. That's legit, right? That's legit, right. a legit coach for Western New Mexico in Silver City. That's legit. Just like you mentioned, Jody Adams, the uh, New Mexico State women's coach, being part of Coach Summit's tree. That's, that speaks well for New Mexico State. That'll help him. Well, once again, I want to thank you for joining me on the train ride. It's been a pleasure. And Always a pleasure, Anthony. I appreciate you having me on, man. We will definitely have to do this again. So, once again, give it up for my good friend and my brother, Ed Nunez, all the way from the state of enchantment, New Mexico. We'll do this once again. Thank you. Anthony, take care, bro. All right. You bet. And I will be back a bow on this podcast so don't you go nowhere i'll be right back mr max market formerly known as p and p is fully stocked for all your grocery needs we carry the largest selection of hot links in wichita including the world famous oklahoma links from mountain view and rogers kansas links from yoder colorado links from gold star as well as national brands such as siegel and deets our meat department stocks ribs pork butts pork chops brisket hams chicken hamburger meat oxtails buffalo fish whole catfish and fillets and much more in season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard! Some moments 
that were not so thrilling, but we also talked about the crime effect that he's having in Colorado. Colorado Buffaloes. Talked about his sons. Talked about the talents of one of his sons, Shadur Sanders. Uh, well, actually his son Shiloh. We talked briefly about Paul Silas, and I want to kind of go into depth on Paul Silas. We talked about the passing of Mike Leach and how his mark made on the college football landscape. But NBA great Paul Silas was forced in Oakland, California, a product and part of its legendary black history. A child during the Great Migration, the three-time NBA drew inspiration from the rare talents he grew up around to become one himself. Whether as a player or head coach, Paul Silas had a reputation for not suffering fools. When he was 68, he was upset with one of his Charlotte Bobcats players, Tyrus Thomas, for chatting amiably with some Boston Celtics on the floor of play. Charlotte lost the game. Thomas, then 25, responded in the locker room after the game. When things became heated, Silas pushed Thomas into a locker. The losing, Silas could understand. The fraternizing, he could not. It speaks to his upbringing. Silas died Sunday at the age of 79. He grew up in Oakland, California, and was a contemporary of Boston Celtics coach Bill Russell, center fielder, Kurt Flood, and Huey Newton of the Black Panther Party. Their parents all left the South and moved to the West seeking economic opportunity. Silas was born in Prescott, Arizona, and his family moved to New York and Chicago before he was six. His father, Leon, could never seem to put down roots. When Silas was eight, like the parents of Russell, Flood and Newton, his family moved to Oakland during the second wave of great migration of African Americans from the South. At the Oakland's defirmary Park, Silas was a willowy spectator watching Russell, whom younger brothers dubbed the Big Genie, dominate games of three-on-three. Silas improved enough to get into highly contested pickup games in a community where old heads boasted about the recent exploits of athletes such as Russell and big league baseball stars Beta Henson and Frank Robinson and Flood. No nonsense homeboys. At McClemens High School, Silas followed another tradition, the one of big men Russell, Joe Ellis, and Jim Hadnot. At the school locals referred to as the Big Mac, Ellis was the California Tournament of Champions Player of the Year in 1962, Northern California Player of the Year, and a University of San Francisco star who played with the San Francisco Warriors of the NBA. Hadnot was a Providence standout and center for the ABA's Oakland Oaks. One of Silas's classmates was future Black Panther Party Chief of Staff, David Hilliard. Paul was born one year after Newton, a year younger than Silas. 
was his cousin, Houston Astros catcher Aaron Porter. Three years younger was his cousin, Ruth Porter, of the Porter sisters. Their dad was Silas's uncle, Elton. The Porter girls lived in the upstairs of the house. Silas's family occupied the ground floor. <coughs> Silas was always surrounded by talent. Silas led the Big Mac to 68 straight wins over three seasons, only three shy of Lou Alcindor's eventual national record of 71 at Manhattan's Power Memorial. Despite his 30-point scoring average as a senior and parade high school All-American status, his father, a Pullman, a Pullman porter, never came to the games. When it came time to choose a college, Paul wanted to follow in Russell's and Ellis's footsteps at USF. But he lacked the re requisite B average. A Creighton University booster named Frank Walsh lived in the Bay Area and hyped Creighton, a Jesuit college like USF. Walsh would visit the local car dealership where Silas worked as a buffer. Finally, it was Silas's dad who advised him to attend Creighton in Omaha, Nebraska. Silas's father believed that the city, which he'd observed as a train stop, offered few temptations or troubles. Their most successful basketball player was Bob Gibson, who was named to the Jesuit All-American third team in his junior year. At Creighton, Silas became one of five major college players in NCAA history to average more than 20 points and 20 rebounds a game for his career. He had 22 games of 25 or more rebounds. On a road trip to Miami, he met a young boxer named Cassius Clay, who trained in Miami Beach. One of his teammates in 1963-64 was his six-foot-four cousin, Fritz Pointer. It wasn't all fun and games. Silas's brother, William, died of a heart attack while enrolled at Creighton. In 1964, Silas was drafted by a team for which Russell had refused to play, the St. Louis Hawks, the NBA's southernmost franchise. There, for a team notorious for its hesitance to start too many black players for home games, which led to the disillusionment of former Winston-Salem State Dynamo Cleo Hill and the resignation of Paul Seymour, who had championed Hill much to the chagrin of offensive trio Bob Pettit, Clyde Levette, and Cliff Hagen. Silas was a ferocious rebounder for increasingly was a ferocious rebounder for increasingly black and athletic Hawks teams that featured Pogo, Joe Caldwell, Bill Bridges, Lenny Wilkins, and Sweet Lou Hudson. In 1968, the ball club moved even further south to Atlanta. When Caldwell was checking his family into a Holiday Inn in Atlanta, a car full of white passengers stopped, and the passengers yelled, hey, you know what, before the driver sped away. Caldwell's sister said, well, you're in the south now, brother. Silas played one season there before being dealt to the expansion Phoenix Suns, where he played in the front court in 1969 and 70, the 28-year-old rookie Connie Hawkins. Together, they nearly defeated the Los Angeles Lakers in the 1970 Western Conference Finals. Two years later, he was traded to the Boston Celtics for Phoenix's right to sign ABA All-Star guard Charlie Scott. Silas's board 
play freed up Boston's undersized center Dave Cowens, and the team won championships in 1974 and 1976, including a triple overtime Game 5 Boston Celtics Boston Garden Classic in the NBA Finals, now known as the Gar Herd Game. Silas added another championship in 1979 with the Seattle Supersonics. As a head coach, a position Silas lobbied for after years as an assistant, he won 387 games. He coached the injury-riddled 1980s San Diego Clippers, two stints with the Charlotte Hornets Bobcats, including four playoff berths with the Hornets and the Cleveland Cavaliers of the early 2000s with a teenage LeBron James. Sunday night, James called Silas one of the greatest human beings I've ever been around. Still emerged from a childhood admiring Russell, hearing tales of local Sandlot legends and the rehearsal strains of the Pointer Sisters coming from upstairs to carve out his own legacy as an NBA enforcer and an exemplary champion. He lived NBA history from the racial polarization of St. Louis Hawks to the rise of James. So there you have more insight on Paul Silas and his journey. Well, that's going to wrap things up for me this night. As this night has grown late, it's time for me to shut things down. Once again, I want to say that I enjoyed my guest, Ed Nunez, and you will be hearing from him and some other guests coming up here in the near future Merry Christmas, as we will be expanding the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I have another guest lined up, and I will push that back next week. She will be a young lady out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Next week will be the return of Outside the Box, so you do not want to miss that. But until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. We are pulling this train into the station. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I'm out. Something that happens with slaves There's a ring in December